0: We are here covering the last two episodes of Season 3 for Star Trek Picard. I guess I guess the last two episodes of Star Trek Picard. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm joined, of course, by my lovely co-host, Caitlin. Hi. And we have a very special guest joining us this evening. Michael is back from subspace. Michael, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I've been purposefully not screaming The entire time you've been talking. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, perfect.
2: So, uh, yeah, Caitlin, why don't you
0: tee us up? What are we talking
2: tonight? We're going to be covering Vox and The Last Generation, both uh, written by Terry Metalis, I believe. Or both directed by Terry Metalis. Yeah. And written by Terry Metalis and a friend, two friends, uh, Sean Tretta and Kylie Rossiter.
0: Yeah, we're very excited. Uh, These episodes... Freaking rip and tear! The the last episode ended with Deanna Troy doing her her psychic Beta Z stuff. I
2: like that Deanna got to save people with the power of feelings and love and her connection <laughs> to those feelings. Because how many times have we been like in a situation and Deanna has to like look at Jean Luke and go. I feel great sadness. And everyone goes, yeah, no, we know, Deanna. Dude. Like, she was able to be like, I feel the power of love and I'm going to save these people. Get the hell out of my way, Data. I'm going to do a thing. And, like, that's really cool. I'm glad she got that moment that, like, really, she she very rarely got in TNG to, like, right. take it to that potential. Right. Yeah, it's it's great having her back. Uh, we discussed on our last
0: episode kind of the, the, the progression of Season three and how television—you have to like juggle so many plates. And one of the things was Deanna Troy specifically.
2: Well, Marina Sirtis was in Marina London. Sirtis, yeah, yeah. Like, lives and in London. And... In the height of COVID, it was very right. difficult to get her available for filming, and so you know the way they dealt with that was she's not in the first half of the season. Uh, but I think it works to their advantage because, like, the second she's around, the whole thing blows wide open. Right, because it's like, hey, you're changing. Hey, you're changing. Hey, hey the you're Borg. You're... Right, right, right. Has no one else picked up on the fact that the Borg are involved? And then, you know, Deanna's right. like, oh yeah, you guys, like, this has been a thing.
1: It's also really interesting because of season, oh man, I can't remember if it was season one or two. I think it was season one. When we go get Riker and Troy's kind of there, but she's like, I'm not doing your space shenanigans anymore.
3: Right. Right.
1: So I, right. I kind of thought watching this one Oh, that's what they're going to do again Troy's just not going to come along That's cool, whatever, I get it So when she shows up, it's just like Yeah, I'm here, she's here, let's do this <laughs>
0: It's great to have the the whole crew back It's always great to see it all come together at the end
3: Yeah, cool. I
0: did like in I know this was in the previous episode in episode 8 When she finally gets on the Titan She takes lo- one look at Jack Crusher And she's like, oh no no you're a super special boy aren't you <laughs> right you are you are not oh no and everybody is also like this is jack he's our new friend and she's like you guys
2: aren't you, are you like you all know something's <laughs> not right right and everyone at the conference table just goes like well this is the first time we've been around this conference table in a while let's let this soak in and she's like wait 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 wait, wait. we got to talk about this
0: so the first I don't know, 15 minutes of episode 9 are like, oh no, the Borger back. And I know when these episodes came out, our Discord channel was like absolutely oh.
2: exploded.
0: Yeah, yeah, like ever, like it. It was a lot of a lot of confusion. A lot of oh man, it's the Borg again. A lot of hell yeah, it's the Borg again. And like oh yeah, of course it's the Borg. Like I don't know, it was kind of like mixed emotions all over the place. Michael, what did what did you think? Because I know you didn't watch this week to week. You were kind of like banking it and then yeah,
2: going how did, through. How did the that chunks. progression feel to you watching it all the way through?
1: It felt really. It felt really even. Which isn't something I would say for a lot of the other Star Trek shows in general, especially Picard. But this one just felt like a really good pace the whole way through. When the Mm -hmm. Borg showed up again, I was kind of like, you know, I love the Borg. They're a childhood favorite of mine. I was there the whole time, like, uh, best of both worlds, all this stuff. I love it. I wasn't really feeling it with this one. So so specifically the Borg popping back up. I'm like, all right, they're going to do some ridiculously complicated plan (laughs) it's not going to work because of reasons <laughs> right right and, and and that's just what's going to happen but i will say that i was pleasantly surprised with what they did pleasantly surprised good well pleasantly surprised yeah Well, yeah. Pleasant, pleasantly surprised, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't i, I was some
0: people root for people to get like you know their knees taken out like i, I was
1: know, yeah i was pleasantly surprised in a bad way no no it was <laughs> it was good no i i really wasn't optimistic at all once they kind of showed back up and they were doing the like dominion changeling crossover thing too eventually yeah i wasn't i was like this is going to be really bad this is going to be a train wreck and in a lot of ways it was a train wreck but it was like a good train wreck
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh
0: yeah a pleasant a pleasant train wreck
1: exactly
2: (laughs) i have to say when, when they did that reveal and there was the borg cube there was the part of me that went like of course it's the borg and there was another part of me that was like, oh, it's the Borg. Because you watch, you know, all three seasons of Picard, and the Borg are a huge part of every season of this show. Right. Because the show is called Picard. It's not called Deep Space Nine, the musical. You know, it's not Miles O'Brien, the most important man in the universe. Like, it's Picard. And this was the defining moment of his personal and professional life was encountering the borg being taken by the borg and being assimilated by the borg and right. then regaining his freedom and his sense of self like it's a huge part of picard's journey as a person and so for me it only made sense that that was where it all kind of came to its end Mm-hmm. And so, like, from that perspective, I was I was happy to see those final confrontations with, like, the last death throes of this thing that had dominated his life and the lives of the people he loves for, you know, 35 years. But also, I wish that because the show had set, you know, several episodes in a row up of, like, maybe we can find a new twist on some of these other things from this world from this time period that there had been a little more than just like, all right, we're done with these toys now back to the Borg that, you know, again, that was the part for me that felt a little clumsy, but at the same time, it was always going to be the Borg.
0: Like who else could it have been, right? I mean, I,
1: I could think of a few people it could have been. Yeah. <laughs> like, like who, what, what yeah. do you got? I, I mean, th- the immediate obvious thing is to hold off the Q stuff until season three and really wrap up the Borg stuff in seasons one and two.
3: Yeah. Right. I
1: get how that's deregled. But, you know, anything more with the Romulans, Picard, like, we have this whole off-screen Picard-Romulan interaction where he's, like, the advocate for saving them. And we just kind of put that on the back burner, but I think that's really interesting, and we don't ever really explore it. I,
2: I wish that as well, that we had gotten more closure to him being, like, the ambassador to the Romulans, especially with, like talking about his relationship with spock over the years and how spock was working towards unification this could have been unification part five it would have been great i would have loved yes. it. Um, <laughs> like we right. all we all kind of took one look at ed spears for some of the promo stuff and we were like so they're are they doing Romulans? Right. Are they doing
0: is, that, is that Raymond? Is that is that another Picard clone? Yeah, I was like,
2: is it Tom Hardy in the Technicolor Dreamcoat? You're right, Michael. That would have been really cool for them to come back to and be like, we're doing it again.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and, and we discussed... We loved her in season two. We loved her in season one. Justice for Laris. Like, Laris was a great character in COVID shooting and, and schedules and availability and how do you craft this, you know, 10-episode behemoth and, and, and all that stuff. Some things you're not going to get around to, so you kind of have to, like, work with what you've got, especially with season two and three being shot back to back and COVID and 90% of your cast being senior citizens. And you know, (laughs) you got to work around what you
2: got.
1: It strikes me though, that since we have Worf here and we have all of these Romulan refugees inside of the Federation now, we really set up a powder keg between the Klingons and the Federation.
0: Right. That's And we
1: never explore that. We never get anything with that at all. I we just saw an entire three seasons. I don't know what the interpolitical landscape looks like, right? Yeah, in the Alpha Quadrant, I have no idea.
0: It would be interesting to see that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And Picard is like the premier diplomat. That's that's like in my head. That's the kind of like that's what he really brings to the table as a character. He's able to mediate between conflicting parties in a way that nobody else in the Star Trek realm really can. And Absolutely. We don't we don't use that at all. We just kind of. We're going to look at the Borg again instead. So yeah, a lot of missed opportunity. But still fun. Super
0: fun. I don't know. I don't know.
2: Well, and like, so here's the other thing. Like, Okay, but like, here's the thing. And here's just an image for you. The Borg Queen in a giant prom dress made of, you know, Geiger fucking tubes and shit. Because that was cool. And I stand by it.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. And like, the way it moved, I couldn't tell if it was like... Did they strap her into a thing and then lift her or like, was it an animatronic? Like, was it a little bit of both? Like it, it, it was, both, it yeah. was awesome. It looked it was so really cool. Good. Yeah.
1: It was super spooky.
0: Well, so back, back to the Borg of it all, because Caitlin and I are nothing if slaves to Star Trek and everything like that. One thing that was really interesting that affected our initial viewing of these last two episodes was the week beforehand was First Contact Day. It was. So we watched First Contact, and then we watched, like, Episode 8, and then Episode 9 starts with the Borg, and, like, First Contact's, like, fresh in my mind. Hearing Alfred Woodard just, like, you know, Ahab, go get your whale, and stuff like that, and it's like, wow, like, this thing just keeps coming back. Yeah. Like, the Borg just are relentlessly obsessed with Lacutis, and obsessed with Picard, and holy shit. They were playing, like, the ultimate long game, like, building... (laughs) <laughs> a transwarp station inside of Jupiter's gas cloud. <laughs> like
1: Yeah. How did you guys, uh, how did you guys feel about the, 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 like the Borg zombie aesthetic?
2: You know, I, I kind of dug it, honestly. Like I like the idea, like it's just convoluted and dumb enough that I'm like, this makes sense within this universe that like they would hide it in the transporter code. And that's why they'd need, you know modified dna that the the system would already recognize sure the whole thing about like the weird 711 mosquito sound that only affects people under 25 that was a little that yeah. was a little much yeah. but at the same time you know the whole themes Of the season are about like bringing in that next generation, like being mentors, being breaking generational traumas, and you know, being better and moving forward. Like, that had to tie in. This is the the most literal that gets this entire season, right? Yeah, Um, but I kind of dug that it was like something that. By the time they realized it, it had already happened, and I like, I like those kinds of scenarios where it's like, now we just have to deal with the aftermath. There's no preventing this. It's already happened. Right. right. Well, it's,
0: it's very, very Watchmen in that way, where it's like, I'm sitting here monologuing. Like, you think you can stop me? Like, I, I already did it. Like, it's yeah, done. Just- that was last and week. then there's
2: you know Roshak right, Laren right. over a couple episodes ago that's like, I don't even trust the transporters, that's why she takes the shuttle back and forth. Right. And like when she's like, builds. something's not right, something's not right, and then you find out, yeah, like the transporters were a part of this all along. Like, right. It's kinda cool.
1: So what strikes me the most with it is kind of that generational trauma angle that you brought up. Mm-hmm. Um so to me, what, what happens and it's really interesting, this isn't until episode ten, but when they're looking at that and they're talking about this is a tomb. What really strikes me is that the Borg Queen is insistent now. No, no, no. This isn't about you, Picard. This isn't about the cutest. <laughs> But it clearly fucking is. It is. Right? right. And it, it, is it, strikes, yeah, it strikes me that really what they're saying here is if, like, as you age, you carry these traumas with you. And if you don't deal with them, you will lock right. yourself in your own cage. You will become uh-huh. your own tomb. And I thought yes. that the imagery was really strong and really powerful. So I really, really enjoyed that.
0: Well and especially yeah. when Riker and Worf and Picard end up on the board cube at the very beginning and Riker and Worf kinda of make the observation of like, Oh, it's dead, it's necrotic. Yeah. And I think I think Worf is the one who says it and where he goes, like, Well, what is it feeding? And it's just like you build and build, you build, you eat all of this hate and this, this resentment and you just hold it in you because you're not dealing with it. Right. You know? And that was really cool.
1: Yeah, and the Borg are, like, fundamentally, I think, incapable of dealing with it. They've set themselves up. They can't deal with trauma like that.
0: No, Mm -hmm. no, not even a little bit, because it's the
2: Borg. And having your ass pulled by Janeway that hard. (laughs) Well, there's that, too.
0: (laughs) But, like, that's that's the, the, the overall theming of the Borg, is, like, if we're collective, we are strong, but, like individuality is, is something that should be cherished and, and looked after and and fostered, you know? I mean, you, you get the Borg Queen constantly pining after Locutus to be her equal or in First Contact, you know, setting up Data that way or, you know, even in Voyager with Seven and, and stuff like that,
2: She's Whereas, always looking for, like, a liaison to these more philosophical beings.
0: Right right instead of just being like all right we're here we're we're working together it's almost as if assimilation is without purpose
1: well it's kind of and, for your whole thing right? right we don't assimilate anymore now we evolve which i don't think is very borgy right. but
0: yeah i don't know i mean there's there's this from the, from the science fiction side of it i kind of like dug what they were putting down where it was like oh well eventually machines become biology and biology become machines and that that's something that the Borg could always strive for so when it was like oh your aromatic syndrome is is just like renegade board code and stuff like that i kind of understood it and then you know introducing the changelings into it and things like that you know it's it's all of these things about like even if you look at like modern computing and stuff like that like quantum computing and and sh- uh, to atoms and i i saw something the other day on ars technica about somebody finally figured out how to build a transistor out of wood instead of <laughs> you know like regular normal silicon rare earth minerals they're, they're building it out of wood now so like i felt like it was like a natural progression of like Borg, technology, you know, you, you you have to start to experiment with it, otherwise... Well,
2: and you look at the things, I mean, bringing it back to the, the generational trauma and the things that we do and inflict on others, you know, you take the Borg who've inflicted their um, state of being on other cultures, you know, for for decades, centuries, what have you, but then you have the, the story of that rogue group of changelings that were taken hostage during the Dominion War and were tortured and transformed into forms they hate, but, like, they find opportunity with those forms. Right. And they end up using it to try and get revenge, ultimately, but, like, talking about how that trauma can just twist and turn you on a cellular level to the point where, you know, you you can't be reasoned with at all. There's no coming back from it unless you have the power of, you know like a stable father figure or something. (laughs) Uh,
1: If only, we could be so lucky. Right? I know,
2: I know. What are those uh, like? (laughs) Yeah,
0: that must be nice.
1: So, I think it's really interesting, though, because the Borg's whole thing from the first episode they show up was like, no, 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 we're past just biology, we're uniting these things, right? But but they're never saying, we want to be machines. They're all about the unison of machine and like life forms. Machines and, right. like
2: a means to an end.
1: Yeah, it's it's to become the perfect life forms. So for them to at the like last mile here be like, "Oh no, you know what? We actually figured out a way to program you guys to assimilate you from afar, and so now we're not going to do the robot thing anymore at all because we don't need to." I I don't buy it. Yeah. So I, my my official headcanon is that the board queen that we're dealing with here is cut off from the collective somehow and is fucking insane because i mean she's (laughs)
2: definitely not all there right like she's definitely yeah she's definitely a couple screws loose of a a toolkit there yeah
1: (laughs) so what do you think the conversation between her and the dominion changelings looked like
2: yeah the initial one being like look i've got a thing i'm hanging out over here near jupiter and
1: uh yeah i really hate those humans fuck those humans Yeah. yeah What do you think of them? Oh, we hate them, too. Oh, how (laughs) Wonderful.
2: Well, I imagine there's, like, Borg artifacts at Daystrom that maybe she was able to, like, send a signal to, you know, and, like, connect with these other (laughs) beings with grudges.
1: (laughs) And this is the point, right? Do we think that this is the Borg, or do we think that this is this one rogue queen?
2: Right,
0: this one cube. Well, and specifically, like, with the changelings, they did bring it up that they, these changelings are are not part of the great length they're not part of the you know for lack of a better terming uh the changeling collective they have no like community that. like no. They, yeah so they're just kind of like latching on to and
2: trauma bonding with the board right right
0: they're they're latching on to hey we don't have purpose you can provide us purpose like
1: fuck that's such a good point They're like, um, they're, you know, that's, that's such a good point. They're kind of, it's really similar to what happens to a lot of, um, to a lot of like a young, like criminal, like felons or gang members and stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the exact same, uh, roadmap of like, Hey, you may, maybe you can't find purpose in your life. Maybe this, maybe you're angry. Maybe you also want to take some of that anger and frustration out. Well, I can give you purpose. I can give you meaning. And we don't ever stop to question what it looks like. Right,
0: right. Well, and, like, the other thing that I kept coming back to on the back end of it, from, like, the the more, I guess, practical Star Trek side of things, is, like, do you think the Borg, like, tried to assimilate the Changelings and was like, we can't? Because they have, like, no discernible, like form how do we assimilate that and, and then, then you then just
2: resort to like cult tactics yeah
0: you have to like resort to like base denominator shit right like that's how that's how you get that cog in your wheel so to speak because you can't i mean i assume you can't have a borg assimilate a change i'm not up on like i don't know extended star trek
2: apocrypha so i'm not i'm not I mean, how do,
0: you, how, do you assimu- right. how do you assimilate,
2: like, a non-Newtonian fluid? <laughs> like a body. Right. Yeah, 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 right? <laughs>
0: well, now I'm a bottle, and now I'm a chair, and now
2: I'm a robot
0: chair, but now I'm not. Like... There's, there's a liquid
2: <laughs> cooling joke in here somewhere, and I'm just trying to <laughs> grasp onto
1: it. <laughs> so all I can think of is, and I can't remember the exact number, but, like, Species 859721209716403219, uh, eight, 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 four, two, yeah. whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, <laughs> they also couldn't assimilate them. And right, the response true, was probably, not, yeah. yeah, the response was not, oh, well, let's try to reason. Their response was, OK, well, if we can't assimilate them, we should try to fucking annihilate them. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So my thought is always that the, the board Collective and the Dominion, they must know about each other. They do.
2: Oh, yeah. OK. Oh, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, my guess is it's sort of like a standoffishly Cold War. Like the board Collective is like, eh, when we get to you, <laughs> we'll get to you. But we don't really have like a like a like a good reason to go over there right now. Right, and I don't think that they could. I don't think they could assimilate the the gem either.
2: No, yeah, that's fair because they rely on the catchersell White, So,
1: well, the the board could probably figure out a solution for that.
2: Potentially, I mean, um, yeah, you could maybe make, nano, but like the the,
0: the nano gem nano hadar. The Gem are like
1: bio super soldiers, right?
0: Like orcish, almost like like not not like Warcraft orc, but like Lord of the Rings. Orc. Yeah, like made them in a fucking forge. Yeah, yeah, yeah They're 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 constructed beings,
1: right? So and so the Dominion rules would make might be them. Different. Yeah, well, the, the the Dominion would as soon as they ran into the Borg and realized what was going on, they would start making the Gem so that that can't happen to them. Right, right. Unless they started using transporters with bio code and (laughs) then who the fuck knows well i mean i think
0: it harkens back to to my my favorite version of star trek that's right star trek enterprise where everybody's like oh we're gonna use the transporter and everybody's like well no the fuck we aren't they're like you sure (laughs) no no we're not (laughs) like oh we can use it to transport crates and goods that's great but i am not stepping in that thing that sounds terrifying
2: Well, the the one time for one of the first times they use it don't they like immediately mess something up and like do a tubix or something
0: yeah well and there's there's a late episode in enterprise where the creator of transporter tech tested it out on his son and his son never rematerialized so now he's like a ghost that's like just hopping through subspace that can't materialize and ends up like killing people if he touches them yeah, during like facing next and shit yeah home. Yeah. Um, right you know. right like there's a whole mess of like transporter horror stories i mean some of the best tos episodes are transporter horror stories you know to see the transporter weaponized is not a shock to me transporter tech is is scary and Very theoretical and very science fiction, but still very like, oh, my gosh, the possibilities are endless. And some of those possibilities are definitely horrifying. (laughs) So to see it weaponized was not really a a big shock on my.
2: But we've seen we've seen more. We've seen the transporter technology used in in all kinds of different applications. I always think of the one where Janeway was hiding the refugees and the transporter code. Right. And like the, the pattern buffer. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. in Strange New Worlds, where you know he's he's hiding his terminally ill daughter there to try and buy time for her. So like it's it's interesting to see it weaponized as opposed to like oh this is just another tool in our toolkit to like get shit done. Right.
0: Well, and there was that one really beautiful episode of Discovery where Burnham had they I forget what bull crap they were dealing
2: with didn't they throw a book in the pattern buffer for they, a minute there they
0: had to throw everybody in the pattern buffer and they had to like blow the hatch and she had to like sit in the command chair in like
2: and the astronaut suit
0: and like she gave a very beautiful speech talking to the computer like the transporter's always been kind of cool But to see it kind of, like, used for nefarious means is is always fun.
3: I
1: think it was really cool until they introduced the idea of the buffer, because the the buffer is one of the dumbest things of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you have this buffer, then character death... I, I never understood why they didn't resurrect people that died.
2: Well, yeah Can't they why just don't like you do go just, back like, into the system the... refresh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like system refresh,
0: pull it from the cache.
1: Yeah, exactly. Then they show up, and you're like, "Hey, by the way, this was from a week ago, so a week has passed, but that week didn't go super hot for you." So <laughs> 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 a week has passed. Are you ready to give your own eulogy? <laughs> like, yeah. And I think that in TNG there was some throwaway line about like degrading patterns over time or something. But motherfucker, we know that that doesn't make any sense.
0: Right, yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that was that was part of Doctor Mbaga's stuff in in Strange New Worlds. Was he? There had to still look, had
2: to be like a time clock on this. Yeah. Yeah. He had to like
0: take her out, but like, I mean,
2: you're also dealing with oh,
0: well, in 300 years, that technology has gotten more refined and and calculated, more more specific and
2: complex at the same time. I mean, just sprinkling everybody with a little bit of Borg tech. I mean, seems like more of a brute force technique than, like, trying to keep, like, the intricacies of a person intact. Right, right.
0: Just hit it with an aerosol. Don't worry, guys. You Just won't get put affected. Some, it's, put
2: some old bay in it.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. don't worry. It's it's not airborne. Like, you're fine. The virus yeah.
1: isn't airborne. It's interesting that nobody had any complications from the bio Right. Rewrite. Nobody had any issues at all. We're all totally fine.
2: Like, right. no one was sprouting up with, like, weird nodules coming out of their bodies in the meantime. Like, there were no, like, unexpected side effects from this, and while they were, you know, sneaking all the infections on people. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I'm even thinking, like, nobody had any tinnitus. (laughs) Like, nobody was like, like, and there's a lot of different aliens that are going through this, but somehow, and it's working on the different species. Mm -hmm, It's not just mm -hmm. humans. That would have been good. If it were just the humans, that would have been really, really clever by the writers. Yeah. Right, but
0: like I mean, even even on the Titan, there's there's a Bajoran crew member on the deck. Um, I don't know what the other species are, but I know for for
2: with like the, the, the green stuff the on her face. Yeah, I, I want to say she's not Bolian, but it's like gosh, she's got like those markings that are like similar, right? That right. very rounded facial structure.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think humans only would have been a a cooler way to do it.
1: Because it would have said something about the Federation and how it works, right?
0: right? Right, right. Instead, but then the solution is, well, we'll just call the Klingons and they'll come clean up our mess. <laughs> so there's that. Let's let's circle back to some of the more bigger character beats instead of some of the thematic stuff. Shaw went to the farm upstate. How he's, dare you? He's living with he's living his, his the last days of his life, perfectly content and happy.
1: Everyone just pours doing. someone out for Captain Shaw, man oh, Shaw,
2: who was almost always right, and then even the <laughs> things people had a problem with with him, it was like surprise he had respect for seven of nine the whole time. God damn you all. We were rewatching this episode leading up to doing this recording, and our, our five year old who has kind of you know taken in a lot of Star Trek and by osmosis, and this season in particular has kind of just been on. Um, I think there's really only like one episode that we didn't really have him watch much of. And that's the one where Paddock takes the bridge, but it starts, executing yeah, and starts going to yeah. execute people. And we were like, maybe <laughs> you don't watch this one. But you know, when Shaw gets hit like tonight, he, he didn't react when it happened. Like when we watched it a few weeks ago, but this time he was watching it and he like started sobbing and he was just like, I don't, he got hurt and I liked him and he's going to die. And we were like, Oh buddy, it's Star Trek. It, he's he's gonna be okay (laughs) right well and it's you know that's again that's the thing is that like this is a character that everybody came to love and know over the course of nine episodes and we were just not ready we were not ready for the fact that like (laughs) the only guy who doesn't get special guest star in the episode um and just gets guest star um is you know is gonna get got and 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 we brought this
0: up on our previous recordings and everything like that specifically when Shaw is giving his backstory and telling about, like, oh, I hate you, John Luke. I hate you because you're Locutus and, like, everything like that. And he tells that lovely story about I was the 10th man and everything like that. He was the 10th man of the crew. Who would have been off the Titan. Who would have been yeah. off the Titan in Episode nine? You know, you have, obviously, the core TNG Seven, and then of course, you have seven of nine and Raffy, so he would have been number ten. So that's really fun and like very clever writing. And then I also just like really liked it when he called her seven of nine after nine episodes of just being like, No, your name is Annika Hansen, and then like you have the con seven of nine, and then eh. like well, I, you ugh, see, like, my I heart, mean, you
2: know, there's that moment, and then obviously in the finale, there's his um. Performance evaluation of seven, which was he, you know, presumably uh, filmed before before Frontier the Day. incidents of the Card Season three, and like you see a much more relaxed man, right? Like what you if see he a guy that, and see... then
0: immediately went to eat his blue steak. <laughs> you
3: see, you see a man who,
2: who is not currently the main character of a Star Trek season with a bunch of legacy characters and has to deal with that, right? This is a man who has few stresses in his life in comparison. Right. And, you know, he he even the first thing he does in the video is he kind of like stops himself and chuckles and goes, No, her name is Seven of Nine. And that's not the guy we meet, obviously, when Jean-Luc and Riker show up on the ship because they are walking trauma triggers to this man. So right. like again, I like that there's a little bit of vindication that like this guy was not the guy he was necessarily every single day. He was trying to make the best of a really bad set of situations. Right. And, you know, you see even by season or by episode nine, you know, they're explaining to him their plan to, like, go save Earth. And he's like, kind of got like that, like, we have all the odds stacked against us. This is crazy. And they're like, yeah, it's our only plan. He's like, all right, let's do the thing. And then he immediately gets shot. Um, And it's that moment when he, like, buys into their shenanigans for a minute is when he's done. And, like, for me, like, that is just such a punch to the gut.
0: Yeah. Michael, what did you think, Shaw? Like, we haven't talked to you about season three at all. I mean, pro-Shaw? Obviously pro-Shaw,
1: right? (laughs) So I was about to say, I didn't get to do the earlier episodes. I'm assuming that everybody's response to Shaw early on I was like man this guy's a motherfucker but (laughs) honestly from the get-go I was like no I get this guy
2: yeah. i loved him from the get-go and i yeah. know i was i i think you and i were like the only ones on the discord who like and i was again it was me alone at first because you were about a little behind us yeah. but like we were the only ones that were like shaw 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 <laughs> we love jellico we love shaw yeah uh
1: so uh, i mean right from right from the snap when he's talking to riker and picard about like no we're not doing that nonsense That's ridiculous. (laughs) It's fucking crazy. And I'm not doing it. And you can't make me because you have no authority here. Yeah. Uh, And and, and, like he calls out all of their like accolades and points out how actually Uh these things are your medals that you wear proudly on your chest. You should be ashamed of yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. He puts them in bunk beds. First of all, the the lower deck bunk beds. Oh, that is so good. And he is a lower decks character. Can we all agree oh, on that? yeah, yeah. Like, Captain well, Shaw
2: is straight out of Lower Decks. And here's the thing is that Lower Decks takes place about 20 years before Picard. So, like, you know, about 10 years post, like, Wolf 359. So you got to imagine that Shaw at this point is, like, it is, like, mid-30s. He's, like, maybe, like, a lieutenant or lieutenant commander. Like, he could very easily show up in Lower Decks, and we would all lose our minds. Well, yeah. and
0: not only that, but, like, he would slot in perfectly you wouldn't have to change a single thing about no that he
2: would still look like todd stashwick <laughs>
1: <Right>? <laughs> live action and everything just in the middle of the, yeah. the The other part of him that i really loved was when he basically um gives up on the pretense that he's the captain of the ship and yep. just goes <laughs> to his bunk and says like no you guys do whatever the fuck you want to do i'm gonna be over here i'm gonna be in my bunk he pulls a jane yep. cop Right, (laughs) yeah. He just just fucks off for like half the season. It feels like he just fucked off to his room. He was like, "I'm done with all of you."
2: Well, Well, it's like like every time he comes out, he gets shot, he gets a (laughs) concussion, he gets his leg broken. Like this dude's been through it. What was their
1: original mission to like go explore a nebula or something? No, that wasn't even it. He wasn't going to the nebula. (laughs) Seven of nine committed mutiny. (laughs) <laughs> and <Right. laughs> took them to the took them to the nebula because she realized if Picard and Riker are doing something, it's probably important.
2: I think right. they were doing like a. I think they they say what they're doing at the beginning, and I think it's just like a survey of the area near where front uh you know Frontier Day or whatever is gonna be. Yeah. Uh, right. And like literally, it's just kind of sitting around being like a hall monitor. <laughs> and the and he was like, "This is perfect." Some yes. space mission with these people he hates. He's yeah.
0: like, I get to do this for like three days and then Frontier Day and we're gonna party, and then I'll walk, you know, I'm one day away from retirement. That's like about that say, vibe.
1: Yeah, Sean Same is energy. he's marking off days to his retirement. When is his retirement? Decades from now. He's still got little X's on every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: he wants to go home and play golf.
0: And then there's that day John Luke Picard walked onto his ship, and there's that X, and there's a
1: big fucking circle around around it in
0: his diary. Like, this day, this is where it all went downhill. I would like, pay I a million
2: really dollars. I was really high on pain meds and I told that guy exactly what I think of it. <laughs> And boy, did it not go great. I just boy, wanna, do I feel bad now.
1: I want them to release an audiobook of Shaw's Captain Logs from, yes. <laughs> from when he realizes that Picard and Riker are there to quote-unquote do an inspection. <laughs> and he's just immediately like, no! We are not having them do an inspection on our fucking ship, alright? That is preposterous. This is a
2: bad idea. Like <laughs> yeah. they're up to something. I don't know what. I don't care. I want them to go home.
0: <laughs> well, it's like all of the captains like get their their own book eventually. Um they just announced that uh they're gonna do the autobiography of Janeway,
2: I think. Oh, that's and, already that's
0: long since or, come out. um
2: Sir Patrick Stewart wrote a bio- saw an autobiography no, cause of they, like, his actual life. I think they announced that
0: they're doing an audiobook release
2: of the Janeway
0: autobiography. Oh, okay. And Kate Mulgrew's doing the audiobook. Oh, very cool. Which will be really cool. But no, I'm totally with, with Michael on this. Like, Todd Statchwick needs to have like his own... I was a Star Trek captain for one season. I'm going to write a book. he
3: well, Just... should.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's, he absolutely should. I
2: I want him to just show up in everything. Like he's is, he's is uh, an entrepreneur. I mean, he's got other he's like a big D&D guy and I guess he co-wrote uh a book of uh D&D like cocktails, like a like a mocktail book, cocktail book. Okay, cool. that's cool. Um like he he does like other stuff like randomly. So like between that and he found like a couple independent artists that were making Shaw and Titan themed wears he immediately began promoting all of those on his social media nice. so like I feel Amazing. like there's there's an in here to like be like this is a good idea for you man
0: He he's a dude he sounds yeah. like a, a very solid guy <laughs> who just oh man
2: everybody loves Shaw <sighs> so but it's it's the lower decks joke, man. Like he Shax to, comes he back. He needs like... to be on lower decks. You don't talk about how the bridge group comes back. They just do. And <laughs> frankly, again, because lower Dex takes place in the past, there is zero excuse that fucking Liam Shaw does not show up on lower decks. Mike McMahon, you have heard me, sir.
1: <laughs> so I can't. I can I think we can count on one hand the number of Starfleet captains that told off Picard and Riker and rendered them speechless. <laughs> yeah.
3: And, and it's
1: it. and it's it Shaw and that's that's exactly that is the entire fucking list. Nobody else. Yeah. Oh wait, except for um maybe Pulaski, who was never a captain, but right, she uh, got in her jabs for sure. Her oh, yeah. and then um uh, the white, the yellow, uh, the blonde-haired admiral from the TNG episodes <clears> would sometimes. <throat> I don't remember her name, but she Shelby. would some. Shelby, yes, she would sometimes be like, no, you stupid motherfuckers, we are not doing that, because that is the dumbest, most dangerous plan conceivable, right. which is... You,
0: you do know that Shelby's in these episodes, right? I did
2: not know that.
0: She's the fleet admiral.
2: Yeah, she's the fleet admiral who's on the Enterprise-F. Yeah. Holy Who shit, yeah. Caught. Yeah. Did yeah, not, did not catch that's that. That's the same character. That's yeah. incredible, I love that. Well, and that's Ooh. why when she comes on screen, Riker's like, ugh.
3: <laughs> like,
2: and it's like, shut up, Riker. Like yeah. she was awesome, and like she didn't deserve like again the unceremonious like boot kick she got off the second Picard got better. Like this is you know was she the like, one
0: in in season one too?
2: Was she? In se- I remember her from Best of Both Worlds,
0: right? Well, because in season one, there's that one admiral that like has the line, you know, the sheer fucking hubris. That was no, like season not, that's one. Not that's not, not her. Shelby. No, no. Okay, no. okay. Yeah, it looks like she's only shown shown up in in two episodes. It is the best of both worlds and Fox yep. and Star Trek Picard. Yeah, yeah so. i decided
1: that her name is not Admiral Shelby. It's Admiral Bol- Admiral. Shut the fuck up and listen.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and yeah. like you
2: see when like Picard goes <laughs> over like all the comms and he's like, "This is Admiral Jean Luc Picard," and you see the look on Shelby's face being like, "Oh God." damn it like
3: (laughs) we're just trying to have
2: a good frontier day what are you doing like sean like don't do this don't do
1: this yeah but what other amazing admirals do we get to see in this season
0: uh at the very end of it yeah uh, beverly gets promoted to admiral
1: fuck yeah and you know what she's (laughs) gonna do she's gonna fucking crush it that's what she's gonna (laughs) do I was, I was sad. I, I was like bittersweetly sad when uh, Jean-Luc gets up and he's leaving and he's like, uh, he gives the bridge to Geordie LaForge. Great moment. I'm glad. I'm so happy it happened. Right? Oh, it's yeah. so nice that Geordie LaForge finally gets to be the acting captain. It should have gone to Beverly Crusher because she had mm-hmm. active captain experience.
2: She trained and, for this. Yeah.
1: And every time she has run a ship in the past, it's gone
2: very well right yeah
1: she's incredible
0: well
2: i think again there were so many callbacks to um all good things and like she has her own ship in that and like they rely on her as in her capacity as a captain and so like again if you were going to take other things from that finale and like tie them in it would have been nice to see her in the chair
0: yeah yes i agree well wasn't there gosh it's been so long since i've watched tng wasn't there an episode where it was like Her and a bunch of incense, yeah, like running the bridge, and like she was just like fucking killing
1: it. No, yeah, it it happens, uh, it's almost a running joke, it happens multiple times throughout TNG. There's the episode where she's just like left with a bunch of incense and random, like, random ass people and does an amazing job. I forget the details, but there's also the episode where she's stuck in like a subspace, like, prison. And in she's the running bubble. the ship, yeah, oh, in the warp bubble. Right, and she runs the ship on her own. She does really well there. I think there's a couple other times too. Uh, Beverly Crusher ends up running the Enterprise a few times, and every time you're just like, "This is the s- fuck Data, fuck Geordi, fuck all these other fuckers." <laughs> Beverly Crusher's the smartest motherfucker on this entire thing. Oh
3: right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah,
0: she's. Incredible. I did like. I did like where she got the moment where she got to t- torpedo the shit out of the board cube and she was like, Worf is bad at his job. I'm doing <laughs> great at this. Like I'm pressing buttons and I'm I'm doing great, guys.
1: What was her line? It's been a busy twenty years or something. Yeah, she's
0: like, like lots like, happened. I've I've got a yeah. lot built up or something like that. Like she was the, she was therapy torpedo. Well, she she's
2: like the linchpin to like you know, all these old friends and how they used to, you know, be the, the competent people in the room solving problems together around the conference table. And, like, there is the moment where, you know, Geordi goes, wait, 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 if we blow this thing, everything blows, everything that's on this cube dies, and there's just not time. Right. And. You know, in, in on another ship, there's someone who goes, I will take the burden. I will take the burden alone of making this decision. But that's not how the TNG cast makes decisions. Right. And, you know, they take the beat where they look around the room and ultimately he gives the choice to Beverly. And she has to make the call. And she goes, we have to do it. Right. And, like, I just thought that that was really just such a lovely, like representation again of how this crew together makes decisions, how they respect each other and ultimately knowing that they've got to do what they've got to do because this show's not about, you know, making the selfish decision. It's always about the greater good. Right. And I don't know. It's conference table philosophy and I like it. Yeah. I had no, a different Yeah, I had a different read on what happened there. That's fair. Uh
1: so first off, conference table all of them around it Immediately crying,
3: right? (laughs) Getting to see them all there,
1: I'm so like even now, it's just such an emotional moment. It's so cool. Table
2: a hundred percent got me. Those motherfuckers.
1: Yes. So that moment, seeing them all on the bridge at their stations, like even Jordy and Data, like all the way back to season one, very cool. The the moment for me, though, where they all look around, I feel like what happened there is Jordy realized, shit, I'm the acting captain, this is up to me, but I am not about to order Beverly Crusher, who's at the weapons helm right now, to shoot this thing when it's going to kill her son, and ostensibly her lover, when like w- without without like cuz we know what's happening here. So I was like oh, yeah. right right. Yeah, I felt like that moment was more about the acknowledgement that hey Beverly, we're going to ask you to do this and we all kind of mm-hmm. know you have to do it. But right. we're we're going to let you pretend like you have agency here because you're <laughs> you're closer to the people here,
2: right? Sure. That's right. how that's what I took away from that. Yeah, I just, I think about it in comparison to, like, you know, shows like Discovery and whatnot, where they've all got their very special burdens that they all shoulder, and then they have, you know, drama sessions about it with their therapists, Yeah, and, like... It's such a different dynamic, and you know, part of that is generational, haha, and uh, part of that is again just the very special bond that these people have with each other. Right? Yeah. And for me, it, every single one of those interactions like that, where they all give each other, you know, again, realistically or not, like because ultimately it's this or the universe dies, right? And so they all know they don't really have a choice. you're absolutely right, but they still give each other these like little outs, like you don't have to do this, and it's like, no, but I'm gonna do this with you. you don't have to be alone, oh Which sure, ultimately, yep. like you have that moment with Picard and Jack, and that's the that's how the whole i mean thing that's comes that's together, like the you know?
0: theme of the season, like the capital T like you don't have to do this alone, you don't have to do this alone,
2: well, and you've got a bunch of you know older folks saying like you don't have to be alone. And so there's like all these levels to the text and what they're trying to convey. I I liked Jack.
0: I know, yeah. The twenty one year old in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> twenty one. I mean he's he's got a nice, he's nice really a pretty man, jaw. but he is he, he is, is in his mid thirties. He is very much in his mid thirties. Um, he's he's great. I think he's a nice. He's a great. I character. Mean, and and that's the thing is like I hate doing this because it's like who's your favorite son, and the answer is well, we're gonna put Wesley in the airlock. It's nice knowing you, like Jack Crusher all the way. Like he is the better, he is the better Crusher, right? I don't I, know.
1: I liked Wesley Crusher. I know that nobody else does. I thought he was cool,
2: <laughs> and I, he also went I through go back Starfleet and training. Wesley, yeah, he did do Starfleet training, and I liked. I liked the seasons of TNG going back and you know watching some of those episodes where he's like trying so hard to get in early and he fails the first few times, right? And you know because he's not a perfect being, you know he he ends up you know identifying with and and going with the travelers, which turns him into a super special boy. But like you know even as a as a genius, like he's not genius enough to be in Starfleet as an actual ensign. At the age of, like, 14 or whatever, he's still kind of playing dress-up, and, like, it's interesting to see, you know, a young actor growing with that, despite, obviously, like, knowing all the challenges that Will Wheaton had to go through making that show. Right. You know, I, I can't be mad at the Wesley Crusher character. I really can't. But... The way they did Jack, I think, as an adult, I I like that. I like him being an adult who's coming back and having to reckon with this childhood he didn't have. He could have had a Wesley Crusher childhood adventuring, you know, in the space, you know, freaking cruise ship of diplomacy. Like, that would (laughs) have been cool, too. But, like, he got to be, like, a space pirate. That was awesome.
3: Yeah.
1: So So how do you guys feel about... (laughs) Because like we're kind of, I was kind of coming around to this too. Is like the so we're talking about Beverly Crusher. Obviously, Jack is kind of the next. Like, this is an interesting character to talk about. For, with regards to her, how do you guys feel about him being Picard's son and also Beverly deciding? I'm just going to hide this from you for 20 years.
0: uh I go back and forth on it, but it it, it was really jarring. uh in the in the first half of the season specifically like those that first two episodes where Riker is just like come on he's like he's like obviously, your kid, like you know like he's your kid come on John Luke you know yeah um but like when Beverly was like giving that very impassioned speech to John Luke about like well why didn't you tell me about him she was like oh I was going to but then like a photon grenade went off next to you, and then you were like negotiating with the Romulans behind enemy lines, and like there was an assassination attempt,
2: and then this happened, and then the like I mean, I get that. I mean it's almost like he's Spider-Man and she's Mary Jane, right? Like she's right. like, you know, being associated with you means putting all of these people's lives in danger, which like sure. And like again, was that fair? And, and
0: and I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is like, was that fair? And it's 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 part of this thing that I'm learning me personally as as an adult is that sometimes fair doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. decisions are made and it's it's more important of, of how you react to them, mm-hmm. how you take them in and and how you how you use that information to shape cha- shape yourself going forward. And I think it's really encapsulated in that episode. I think it's like episode 4 or 5 where uh Picard is like talking to all the ensigns at Ten Ford and the bar and everything. Yes. And he's like, "I don't need a family. Oh, God. I never had a family. My family was Starfleet." And then like that and it one worked guy out moves. just fine. Yeah, yeah. And that one guy moves and you see Jack sitting at the bar, but Jack knows that's my dad whereas Picard doesn't yeah right and and I don't think you can blame Picard for saying that no. when he didn't have the full scope of that information but it is he didn't heartbreaking have, he
2: didn't have the full scope of the information and you have to remember this whole show and parts of TNG have been about Jean-Luc coming to terms with the way he grew up the things he grew up exposed to the the various family traumas that he had to work through and live through and if you go back and you know now retroactively watching season two and knowing that q out of sequence was trying to help his friend work through his family traumas right um it all kind of comes together really neatly and again in that context yeah absolutely star starfleet was his family like he would it would be out of character for him to say otherwise right does that mean it's hurtful to jack absolutely does it mean that, you know, it would have been disingenuous for that to be portrayed in any other way? Like, also, yes. Like, it's, it's, two things can be true here. Right. There's
0: also, like, seven seasons of well-documented television where Jean-Luc Picard just, like,
2: really doesn't
0: like
1: kids.
0: <laughs> like,
3: he yeah, just he really doesn't like with kids. kids.
0: He
1: struggles so, with them. I, I agree. And I, and I agree that, like, that moment isn't Picard's fault. But I think it's I think it's Beverly's fault. I yeah, think that yeah. she dropped the ball the ball so monumentally. And there's something to be said for like, oh well, you know, you're Spider Man and I'm MJ, and so we can just never we never meet. That's different when she gets pregnant and has his child, right? Right. Some things are just always more important, and it's it, that's one of them. Especially because Picard is flying around space doing all this nonsense. He could have died.
3: Yeah. Any
1: moment. And because of that, because of Beverly's decisions, um, Jack might never have met his father. They might never have reconciled this kind of rift that was agreeably there, even though they never met uh, because of the way Jean-Luc was. I think that I think that it's one of those moments that Beverly really screwed up. But I think that's good for her character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense that she would do this. I think it gives a lot of depth to the Beverly Crusher character. Um, so I, I'm not like like upset with the show. I think that the drama is very good here. I just, yeah. man, it, there's something about the tension between the two that really gets me. And then mm-hmm. at the end of of season of episode ten, right the the uh, the Last Generation, when Picard is like, you know, you know, you know what? Fuck that. I'm diving into the, um, fuck, what is the, not not the River Styx. Well, I'm, I'm thinking more in like Greek mythology terms, right? Like like in the cartoon oh, yeah, Hercules, yeah, yeah. Hercules is like, fuck that. I'm going to dive in there. I'm going to get Meg no matter what. I don't give yeah. a shit what happens. That's Picard now, right? I mean, he's right. he's like, I don't care about any of this. I'm going to go get my son.
0: Well, and when when he plugs himself in and everything like that, like it's like I'm going
2: straight into the matrix. It's it's like, it's a moment, yeah. Like it it's powerful. Hits, it's he's choosing it's good it. Yes. when he's choosing it because it's the only thing he can try left, and it's the thing he fears the most is being sucked back into the collective. He's willing to face that in order to reach Jack, and like again, like. He's he's willing to do that for him, and this is a this is Jean-Luc, again, that is very different even from season one of Picard, who's willing to do that, not because it saves the galaxy, not because it's what he should do for Starfleet or his code of ethics, but it's because he wants to be the father to the son he has.
0: Right. Well, and he realizes, I mean, it's... It sucks because like it's such a cliche, but like he is literally trying to like make up for lost time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like I didn't get to like go play catch with you, or or
2: go to your your football game, or or go your to weird your dance London recital, London prep school where you got that accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Like and and it's
0: I need to be here now, and and that's that's good because I think it's it's growth on John Luke, and I think. I mean we we we've kind of talked about this on some of the past episodes of this show where season 3 and the theming and Jack and Picard getting to be a father and things like that could not have happened if not of the exploration of like his childhood, family trauma in season 2, which is a lot of things that people when season 2 was airing was like ah eh, yeah, I guess. Season two is
2: messy and uneven. Right. And I think retroactively season three makes season two better.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Which which I think is intentional. You know, they were shooting two and three at the same time together so of course you were going to get, you know, a, a little paprika sprinkled in Amongst amongst both. Well, and
2: some of this is like us as viewers looking for like that pattern recognition, right? So we're right. going to make connections where they weren't necessarily intended to have have been unearthed from those places. But it it does it does come together more neatly, I think, than I wanted to admit on first viewing.
0: It's definitely interesting watching it again compared to the 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 vibes and the feelings of that that first morning, because. Mm-hmm. Just diving into a little personal stuff here. Caitlin works a very stressful job uh, that starts very early in the morning. So when these two episodes came out, we were like, well, we don't want to get spoiled on Twitter. So we were like waking up at 5.30 to watch these episodes so we
2: could watch them before work. The big old pot of coffee. Yeah, it was like like, big old pot of coffee. When you're mainlining feelings at 5.30 in the morning with like... Culper coffee like holy schmoly is that just a roller coaster ride of emotion and then you're like all right i'm gonna go take a shower i'm gonna go get ready for work right um i'm know, gonna like, cry
1: you know, in the shower for a few yeah, minutes so john Luke
2: and jack reconciled, they, reconciled like... and they didn't know how much they had in common and um you know even even some of the nostalgia stuff like was you know, I think more potent, uh, on rewatch just because of the circumstances where we watched those last few episodes, you know, again, speaking of like the nostalgia and the, you know, recreation of the enterprise D, oh, and the D. everybody, loves. Uh, the everybody D. loves the D, you know, just even, you can almost like smell the bridge, right? Like you can just like, <laughs> Oh my God, you see everyone just like, even just the cast as they're like coming down the sides of the bridge and like looking around like you can tell how happy they are to be there and you're happy to be there with them and like i do not care that it's a cheap shot terry vitalis like you fucking nailed it my i disagree
0: guy. <laughs> i disagree i don't think it's a cheap shot <laughs> yeah it's just incredible right because here's it's here's so the thing good. though
2: is like it's fun. Oh, it is earned. Right. Absolutely. Because they
0: don't they don't like, okay, Enterprise D, Episode 2, like right. they they build it. They've There's, hidden it in the hangar bay. There yeah. is a reason for them to get it in the plot. There is a reason it is not connected to the Frontier Day bullshit mm-hmm. protocol. Like, I think I think it is earned and it has its place in its story. Which I think is really good. But like the part that got me is when the voice of the computer and, and then I just started crying.
2: Oh yeah. And when the audio where, you know, they, they give control of the ship to captain Jean-Luc Picard and he goes, Oh, I accept the field of motion. That audio is from the end of the Jellico arc where he's giving the ship back to uh, Picard, right? So like, just, like again, that's all audio that was it. not done with AI, that was not done, you know, in any kind of audio trickery. Um, they used all existing audio of Major Barrett to, you know, get that back in there, and even you know, Riker, aka Freaks, was just like, oh, I miss that voice, and even knowing like that's the same voice, you know, Deanna Troy's mother is the other part <laughs> of that that's kind of funny. Uh, when Riker says it in particular but like all of those little things were like just you're just shotgunning it at that point like put it directly into my veins i love everything about it i love the fact that like if you listen um if you read to uh, and listen to some of the interviews that the designers the set designers production designers and the artists that worked to bring that bridge to life they talked about how um they had to go about creating things to look the way the bridge did but obviously the bridge that we all saw was filtered through 80s and 90s television sets right so they had to like color correct for the digital age and also like even the consoles like how the light trunk comes through the consoles had to like resemble what we saw on television during that period in time like the amount of effort and love that went into that craft that resulted in that product is just astounding. Yeah. And so much so much love went into it and you can just you can feel it.
1: Michael, what did
0: you think? Do you love the D?
1: I am a big fan of D. Yeah. I think that it says something about not just like this show Picard, but just like Star Trek and Star Trek the Next Generation specifically that years later these moments still pack so much punch and oh, the yeah. fan base is still here to like cheer it on and like actively want it right like i remember back in season one of picard it was like okay i get that we don't want to just like right like just like jerk each other off the whole time and be like oh isn't this right. fun like we have everybody on the bridge again isn't that what because that would have been kind of cheap right. uh, but but them Absolutely. earning it this way like what you guys were saying it makes it so powerful like between like them all sitting around the conference table them playing poker at the end them on the bridge i just I can't fault it at all, and even if I could, I don't want to because I just—it's right. so cool. I just love it. Yeah, uh, my, but we my also big
0: fault. There is one fault, and and you will you will come to appreciate this fault as well. Um, oh no! The big fault that I hate is that apparently they shot around that poker room, that poker table for forty-five goddamn minutes. And we only got to see about three minutes of that shit.
2: <laughs> and that's okay. And no, no, I, I, no. You, I, want, I you want, want the behind the scenes? That's just. The do wrong you want an episode
1: eleven that's <laughs> just them playing poker?
2: And it's Hell just yes. Brent Spiner telling increasingly horny jokes for forty-five minutes. <laughs> yes, um, I do want you know that. that. Like, you have to know that like ninety-five percent of that audio was unusable.
3: Like, <laughs> yes, yes, <It> probably... <laughs>
2: headcanon accepted right like yeah it was
0: the, the the two that got me was the the voice of the computer and then the crane shot at the poker table it was the, it, it was because they match they match the shot at the end of tng mm-hmm. it's like everybody's sitting in the same position they match the camera move uh-huh. they match the the they twist the camera as it's pulling up in the crane like that those were the two and shots it becomes that's the framing just like, for the credits yeah lovely yeah it oh man, it's so good.
1: It's so so good. I remember when we did the um the t- the TNG episodes, like the right, right. it, when they did the poker game, and the the last line was like, um, "What was it? Sky's the limit." I remember yeah. talking about that and gushing about it because I really like that idea for Star Trek that like. Ultimately, what this is about is potential and the human spirit and like the enduring nature of like we can conquer these evil space robot things that keep trying (laughs) to uh, destroy us for kind of weird, petty reasons, to to be completely (laughs) honest. But in that moment, there's something to be said also about just like it doesn't all have to. It can also just be have some fun with your friends. There's nothing more yeah. important than just that human connection of like sitting at a poker table with good friends, have a couple beers, you just saved the galaxy, cut loose. Have some well, fucking fun in, with in each other. even in all
2: other. good things where Picard says, I should have done this a long time ago and Troy says, you were always... Is welcome yeah and so when he's the one at the end who's like you want to play some poker like it's just so nice and it's like <laughs> these people just love each other and i love that for them
3: yeah
1: and they all they were all getting ready to leave too we have all had that moment where you're at like a party and you're like all right i'm out i'm gonna head home and somebody's like well wait a minute we're about to play mario kart They're like okay yeah, fine. Yeah, right, i'll play right, one right. round of mario kart
0: i'll play one round of mario kart and then <laughs> 14 later. races later like yeah <laughs> And it's it's really that perfect encapsulation of all of that, and it's it's so good and lovely. And then they play the full T and G theme, like at the end it's with so the music, trial. Yes. and like they just like. Well, what if we just like pumped up the horns just a little bit more? Mm-hmm. That was really cool. The other thing I thought that was really cool that it gets overlooked because it's so blink and you miss it, uh, and it's over. Is the last generation opens with the opening credit shot of the Pallady star cluster, uh-huh. and like when it opened with that, I was like, <gasps> like I like caught my <laughs> breath. I was like, oh my god, are they gonna do like the full credit sequence? I was like, oh my gosh, like no way, no way. I mean, they didn't, but like it's, wish it's that we, one. I don't push know how they shot. would have
2: in- in- introduced it, but I, I really would have liked to get a captain's oath. At some point, yeah, during the episode, that would have been cool,
0: oh, like if John Luke or like Jack said it, or what if seven said it at the end? Oh my! Like, like I would
2: have <laughs> oh man, if they
1: closed oh. it out with seven of night, I would have just fucking lost it,,
2: yeah, which I already like, lost sure, it. I would absolutely lost my mind, Ugh.
3: yeah,
0: yeah, so uh let's let's talk about seven. And like, cause like we're talking about the Borg and we're talking about, you know, Jean-Luc and Beverly and Deanna and all that. But like, there's a whole nother episode going on with like Seven and Raffi on the
2: Titan. And their, their friend, the cook. Oh, the cook. Because, you know, Seven has, like, a deep spiritual need to find her new Neelix. And, like, this poor bastard is like, oh, no, Miss Ma'am, I cannot do this. And she's like, nope, you're doing it. Like, our, our last chef, he was, like, the head of security for a minute. Like, he he did all kinds of stuff. You'll be fine. And he's like, I'm pretty sure I won't be. And she's like, you don't really get a choice.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, there, there's a moment where Seven of Nine like, looks at him and gives him that look of just, like, I don't understand any of the words you're saying. I don't care. I told you to get to your goddamn station. Right? Like, (laughs) Uh, don't make me come over there and fly this fucking ship myself. I can't do everything, (laughs) right? Yeah. It's It's like, I am one person. Sit
0: down. Shut up. There's like like 12 of us left.
1: (laughs) Which which honestly kind of says something to Seven's character growth out of Voyager. That she's no longer just going, okay, move. Right, right, right. She, she, she's she's willing to kind of, not just go, she didn't just tell him, shut the fuck up and sit down and fly the ship. She kind of tried to encourage him and build him up a little bit, right? Right. She was Absolutely. like, you
0: you kind of took the training. <laughs> yeah. You're our pilot now. Like, don't worry, you got this. It's only, we're only flying up against the entire fucking fleet,
1: but yes. like... <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and, and, and I will say that was the other, that was one of the other, I mean... Seven of Nines ending here, I I think I cried harder than at any of the TNG stuff. Like, there's Mm -hmm. something so strong about not just her being promoted and getting the captain title and really being a part of stuff. That's so cool. The fact that it's Tuvok.
3: I I, I can't,
1: like, oh my fucking
0: god. I was here for it. I mean, like, don't you just like put in that call to HR anytime you're getting a promotion? Like, yeah, send down Tim Russ. <laughs> like, I want I want Tim Russ to give me my promotion. I've
1: like, never been promoted by Tim Russ. Oh. Uh, I'm sure it's but,
3: an honor. It's so
1: but but there's just something about like like from him in Voyager basically constantly like being willing to kind of work with Seven. Right. And uh-huh. kinda of trying to show her the ropes a little bit to so now him being like, No. We're not allowing you to resign. You're not allowed to quit. Uh yeah. in fact, here's a ship. Go fly it around. Go fly it around space and fuck shit up. Well, and it's almost here is like... is your non-lover Raffi to help you with it. Yeah, the most bisexual
0: bridge crew I've ever seen in my <laughs> yeah, life. I know. I'm that's very crazy. excited. I really hope Star Trek Legacy happens and I hope they all just like kiss. Uh, <laughs> just the it's, whole it's, show it's what I want. yeah just the whole show I
2: mean that was Jack and Sydney every single episode me being like but what if they kissed I just feel like if they kissed then we could like move on and do all this other stuff well
0: and like <laughs> to, to your point with like Tuvok and, and Seven Michael like Seven really is like the golden child of Voyager yeah it's she like, said you the show. have to you? Ha- well I mean like even beyond like the show you know even even beyond you know that but like you have to succeed you have to be like the one you have to be the one that like gets promoted to captain you have to you know because what was like all of this trek through the quadrant about you know if not getting home to give you this opportunity you know and like that's a huge burden and i know seven doesn't want it but i know she secretly kind of does and she like really really wants to be fucking good at it and like spoilers she's gonna be fucking good at it oh like, she's
1: gonna be incredible yeah she's gonna be the best enterprise captain
0: what did, what did you think about caitlin them them rechristening the titan the enterprise
2: you know i i i had complicated feelings on it just because like titan has its own legacy in the star trek universe and especially i mean for for the 20-some-odd the years of books featuring the Titan, um, it's not like, you know, you were just going to strip some random ship of its name and be like, you're the Enterprise now! Like, I, I'm still kind of getting used to the fact that that's going to be the Enterprise. Right. But at the same time, like, you know, bringing it back to, like, this is a legacy that we are passing down, and if that's what this is all about, if this is all about the things we preserve for each other... Then there's something to it, and again, the idea that like people are going to hold this piece of history and and take it forward is really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I w- I part of me wishes it had remained the Titan, to be completely honest. Yeah, Michael, what do you think?
1: So when they're first flying up to it, and they're doing the whole spiel, and they're kind of kind of egging on, uh, Picard a little bit. I thought for a beat, they were actually revealing that it was the USS Picard. I, I, oh man, I was, I the I was right there too. I thought to that was what it was going to be. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's so awesome. That's so sweet. Right. Like, like I, like it started getting my, my heartstrings pulled a little bit. And then when it revealed, no, 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 this is not the USS Picard. This is the USS Enterprise. I, It just like opened the floodgate because of that prep with like the little bit of a mislead there and right, right. I completely agree with everything Caitlin said about the Titan and renaming it. But at the end of the day, I don't fucking care. I'm here for it.
0: Enterprise <laughs> G, let's go.
1: I absolutely. I, I just put it all aside. I'm like all of the reasons and rationale, and it all makes total sense. And I completely agree with everything you said. Fuck that. This is the Enterprise. Because <laughs> <laughs> it feels good. And I
0: mean, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's the thing
2: is that like it's gonna, it's gonna you know, set off something deep in our lizard brain that goes, Enterprise, Enterprise, Enterprise. And, like, that is totally fine. (laughs) Like, I'm not gonna, you know, bitch and moan about it when we get Star Trek Legacy, because, like, guess what? We're gonna get Star Trek Legacy. God, I hope so. Whether or not it's called that or something else, but it should be called Star Trek Legacy. Like, I'm gonna be 100% on board. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry, there's gonna be a limited show where... Captain Seven of Nine of the Enterprise. Yeah, uh, no, I'm gonna watch it every week. Uh, yes, with <laughs> bells on? Are you fucking the, uh,
1: kidding me? Uh, uh, right, like all I can imagine is like they're hailing us. Put them on. This is Captain Seven of Nine of the USS Enterprise. What the fuck do you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm here for it. So this this brings me to a new question because I actually. I've heard, like, whispers and stuff about Legacy, and like, they're, they're very clearly, like, setting up a new Star Trek here. It's, it's not...
0: Oh, yeah. They're not it's being not at subtle. all coy.
1: Right. No. Paramount would be the stupidest motherfuckers ever. <laughs> <to play laughs> at the end of the episode well, I mean, maybe John they're. Delancey so, being, like, your story's just beginning. Like, I know. Like, so, so, my question here is, kind of, kind of going back to the Picard, Romulan, Klingon stuff like these. So, the Romulans are kind of gone. Right? There's, no, right. there's no more Romulan Star Empire. Right, um, right. I can't imagine the Cardassians are doing super well. The Ferengi are probably not... They're probably mostly integrated into Federer. So, like, if the Borg and the Dominion both made this... Well, not the Dominion, I guess. It's just random changelings, and it's not the Borg, it's this random Borg queen. But still, all right, bear with me for a second. If they're mm-hmm. both now joining forces, kind of, sort of, to try to derail the Federation, what do you guys think that says about the Federation's political capital at this right. point? In the, they must be the most powerful political entity in the galaxy. Right. Maybe. So what do we do? Something, we'll find something something out. New. Yeah, exactly. Something we'll find new, out
0: and I'm gonna watch every week.
3: Like yeah.
1: I just yeah. I I agree. I'm really excited, not just the least, because like seven of nine over the course of her tenure in Star Trek is probably the best character arc of any of the Star Trek characters. And She's to so see great. her do more and keep doing it, oh man, I'm so excited.
3: Yeah.
2: And like we'll see more of the Voyager Friends and, you know, I'm assuming you Know the occasional TNG person will show up, um, because like again, this is an era where like a lot of these people would still be alive and kicking and doing stuff. Yeah, we, um, so we you have get, to like, get enough of those dopamine hits to be like, haha, oh, is that your friend? You know, Lieutenant Commander Naomi Wildman, because <laughs> holy, cri- holy crap, would that be cool? I would love it if that happened. Take,
0: take if- us in, instant Kim, yeah, like that's. <laughs> <what we're doing.
1: laughs> Did you guys catch the um the was it the the star I forget the title but the Starfleet Checkoff right? He was like my dad or whatever. It was like Chekhov's yeah. son. was like that was cool. I liked that. That well, was like a so, nice little nod to TOS.
0: Well, and it was actually voiced by uh Walter Koenig. Zenig? Koenig? Sorry. He's the one who is Chekhov, right? I always yeah. get those, the TOS people. Mixed
2: well, up. I believe, I was, can't remember their names. It was, I, be- I believe so. If you want to double check IMDb, but I believe it was voiced by him, but they had, uh, the name is of, Anton, is Anton, which is, you know, obviously a nod to Anton Yelchin who, um, passed away, you know, very suddenly a few years ago, you know, he would have been you know someone you would have brought in for that moment. Um, otherwise but yeah it was just like a flood of emotions at that point being like <laughs> it doesn't even matter what you say right now because we just are not really listening we're just feeling our feelings and it's all vibes and we've got to figure this out you guys
0: let's make it happen paramount please
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's all we want mm-hmm. it would be like both the little forge sisters jack raffi seven the cook bring back the cook
2: well yeah the, <laughs> bring truck, back the, the, cook. the other two bridge crew um bring get some highlights throughout the season like they're they're on the bridge at the end but yeah like you can build it out and see like what it means to be the flagship again and like you know what does it mean are they going to be on diplomatic missions do you have you know an XB leading like your weird diplomatic cruise line or do you have them doing other stuff like what's their what's their purpose at this point And what is, you know, what is Starfleet imagining as, you know, their purpose? Uh, I'm just curious to see, like, what they do with that, how they they subvert it, how they, you know, how they interplay, like, with all those things that they they didn't really have time for in Picard, right? Like, all the, the geopolitical, like, stuff going on in the Quadrant at the time that they can really sink their teeth into. I don't know, maybe there's, like,
0: another Klingon civil war. I mean, there probably they, is one of that those, they have to send seven out to, to renegotiate. Those, right? Yeah, I was
2: about to say.
1: We're due.
3: Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like
0: I don't know. Flip a coin. And, like you
2: mentioned the Ferengi, but like this would presumably like be the tail end of Rom's tenure as Grand Nagus. So like maybe oh we should get just, him back. Like, a, yeah they're <laughs> they're in like a unionized you know utopia now. Right. And like, I mean, what the,
0: does that change of hands look like?
1: Well, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm kind of pointing out is like, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't think there's a whole lot of juice left in a lot of those storylines. Right. So I'm really excited to see the Alpha Quadrant, the Federation do not just do something new for the sake of doing something new, but do something new because that's just what they're dealing with now. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Kind of organically just, no, the Klingons and us are chill. Right? Like, Mm. there's no Klingon Civil War. They're good. We're good. We work with each other when we need to, but we're not the same. Right? Like, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with it. The Cardassians are probably still doing some nonsense, but ultimately, we've dealt with all of that shit. We don't have to deal with it anymore. Yeah,
2: it's just... I mean, like, send her back to the Delta Quadrant? You know, all these things. (laughs) They've been destabilized over the last 20 years or so. And, like interesting to see how they come back up and you know of course in the meantime there's you know other civilizations that become work capable and and or you know are still out there kicking around and and changing up the dynamics around the quadrant like there's no reason like you can't find new things to do
1: so i think that the biggest opportunity here so so one i think that they've just set themselves up really well to have open they've kicked the door open they can do pretty much whatever they want because of the way they've right. kind of guided yeah. them through but what i'm really intru- what i think would be really interesting is seeing what was on the other side of the romulan's
0: yeah yeah just um, beyond that beyond the neutral zone and beyond
1: yeah well because like the the, the romulan like their societies basically collapsed they're kind of integrated and i i think i talked about this during tng a few times but the Romulan Star Empire, for everything we saw from them, they must have been dealing with more than just the Federation, right? Because right. they never really, they never really like directed all of their resources at the Fed, at, the, at Starfleet. They never really went, you know what? Fuck you guys, we're done with y'all. They were. It, it always seemed like they were like, ah, uh, you know, we're kind of strapped for resources. We kind of got some yeah. shit going we'll on. Keep the door
2: cracked open.
1: Yeah. So my thought is like, there must have been something over there. That was taking a lot of their attention, but the Romulans are not exactly going to tell you what it was or tell you how hard it was to deal with.
0: So before we started watching these two episodes, like that week in between eight and nine, in a pure moment of exhaustion and tiredness, I believe Caitlin said to me at one point, what if... The end of Picard Season 3 is the start of the Temporal Cold War from Enterprise. And it's they, like they never get to that, so like yeah, they could do yeah. that. <laughs> I hope they
2: don't.
0: I hope they
1: don't.
2: Temporal Cold War I didn't so say it was wrong. a good idea. Oh, but it is I, an idea.
1: It's an idea, that's for sure. Uh, they could do that. Man, I hope they don't, unless we get more Shrek. We didn't really touch on much of the stuff on this episode at all, but... Well, well, Michael, what if, what if,
2: what, I mean, what, I think it's what more about have? what it evokes for you, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know that ultimately they're going to save the universe, like, maybe one or more of them might not make it. I don't know, it's kind of nice when everyone just gets to be friends at the end.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, it really was just like, a, hey, look at all this fan service, wasn't that cool? But, like, we didn't get to talk yeah. about, like, like, Data's a human now,
2: kind of. Right. Oh, yeah, that's, that's and Brett Spiner's just making a whole ham sandwich out of it. Yeah, and you can I tell liked it was... when he. I liked <laughs> yeah. it when he was like, hello, chair.
1: I love <laughs> you, chair. And he's like, when it, when he gets that moment of anger with the Borg, he's like, I hate yeah. that. It's just like, oh. oh, and his weird, his hilarious uh, counseling with Troy where she's just oh, like, Oh my just god I like, don't stop. With... Yeah. I, I And love she's all like that. on her iPad
0: like planning yeah, her vacation. Fucking, I'm like just doing vacation media. Like,
1: yeah. Um scrolling so, I mean, Twitter. Yeah, so like we get all of that stuff with data and it's pretty clear that they're just like, look, we want data here, we want Brent and Spider to play him, but the the, the makeup and all that stuff, we're kinda of done with that. Sure. <laughs> right. Totally. I get it. I'm not going to argue with them.
2: That man is in his 70s. He does not want to be gold anymore. <laughs> yes. I.
1: Why not? Sure. Yeah. So we get all of that. We get uh, Jordy LaForge kind of doing his own little mini arc with his daughter. I thought that was really cool. How uh-huh. like she wants to be Federation. She wants to be here. She wants him to be proud of her. But she's not just going to do what, what he thought she would. She's going to do her own thing. I thought that was really cool. We, we get kind of the capstone on Riker and Deanna. Right? They kind of resolve a lot of their issues from I earlier. That, There's, I love yeah. that
3: they
2: fleshed out the fact that like, even when Picard came to see them, and he, he was like, here's my newest bullshit problem. Yeah, <laughs> look, let's eat pizza about it. And you know, they go, oh, yeah, we've got to put on a good face, because he's clearly got some shit going on. Like,
0: we gotta be good i mean
2: our kid just died but you know i guess we'll have to like figure this out for him right now and we'll deal with this later and then you know they kind of do deal with it later and you find out how much they'd actually been going through with all of that and how much they hadn't resolved with each other and it again makes season one better all the more when you go back and watch those episodes because it's like so much putting on a show for their friend because they don't want them to know that like they're falling apart and well, that's yeah. just really interesting yeah. to watch
0: the other thing i want to say michael and then you can dive in um it's insane how good their chemistry is uh,
1: wild. like yes. 20
0: years later it's so fucking palpable it's so good yeah so
1: so what i was gonna say was kind of off of what you just said with the the chemistry because i agree like i I was blown away at their chemistry they don't get Absolutely. a lot of moments together but the moments they have punch uh, oh crackle. Yeah. Yeah. Like the end when it shows them all on the bridge and then like back in the corner is Riker and Deanna and they're just like hugging. Yeah. They don't they're it's not so like they're not the camera's not focusing on them, they're doing their own thing, but still somehow that's where my attention goes. It's like, right. oh fuck, they're in it. And it something kind of clicked for me with Deanna in this episode. So first off, what do you guys think the range on her empathy actually is?
3: Because
1: <laughs> you know, right? apparently, like light years of distance, um, right? But and this is kind of a this there's, is gonna there's got to be like some
0: D and D source book that like yeah, Beta yeah. Z. Like. <laughs> yes, uh, but one d twenty plus is like
1: fuck. It kind of clicks <laughs> for me in a way though that, um, and I think that only somebody who's been in a long term relationship can really appreciate this, but. Ugh. Deanna doesn't just feel Riker's happy emotions, right? Right. She senses those moments, too, when he's maybe like, what the fuck did I do? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like she gets those down notes, too. And obviously, Deanna, because she lives like this, she kind of, she knows how to deal with it and she knows how to process it. Right. I can't imagine that helps a whole lot, though. Uh, no. When you're When your child dies, you're not, and I think that they bring this up, she's not just feeling her grief. She's feeling right, his right. grief. She's feeling his hopelessness. And I think that every long-term relationship is going to have those moments and those realizations of like, you love each other all the time, but there are moments where you're just like, I might just fucking go kill you. <laughs> I'm just going to go find a hammer that's big enough. Right? Like, And she gets those moments too, and obviously she has to deal with it. But there was something about the way she looked when she first shows up she's doing it it just clicked for me and it really hit that like this is sort of a um it's very much a burden it's really stressful
0: to specifically you know um be being a parent yeah and like could not even imagine and would do anything for a kid and and you know the, this entire season not just riker and troy but you know you have beverly and picard and you know you have jordy and his daughters and you have raffi
1: and her, oh, her heartbreaking. Kid, and, yeah we didn't talk know, about that either
3: oh man
2: they've, they've, got, they've got kestra safely at the you know at the academy right uh you know early injury for terry terry metallis but, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, they still have to reckon with the fact that, yeah, they're seeing all of these legacies kind of come together. And that's something they're not going to be able to participate in in the same way as everyone right. else. Right. And just there's
0: it's it's so weighted and it's really like, you know, you, you, you take a step back and you look at it and it's Star Trek, the next generation. And it's just like, well, what if it was like more Star Trek? It's like TOS. <laughs> it's still the Enterprise. It's just, you know, we added a couple years to the century counter and, and it's still Star Trek. And it doesn't really like, they just call it the next generation because like it's a punchy marketing title. Whereas this like really deals with it and it really mm-hmm. talks about it. And it, I think coalescing around that theme just makes this season in particular just fucking sing right start yeah. to finish you know you, the episode one beverly reaches out to jean Luc, and she is in you know the 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 ice pod and jack is the only one on the ship all the way to, to episode 10 where jack and and picard hug it out in borg cyberspace and it like fixes so- everything like it's just it's It's so good. It's so good.
1: (sighs) So it just occurred to me because of what you were saying with like dealing with the next generation. That so the title of this episode is the last generation, right? Right, right. I'm not just making this up. And when you read that, when I when I when I I heard it, I was like, that's kind of a weird title because last kind of means final. But I, I think that what you're pointing out here is like that's not. That's not what this means at all. What they mean is the last, gen- like the one back there. We're going right, to talk right. about them a little bit more, and that yeah, that just clicked for me. Uh, yeah, no, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, w- which is a really kind of puts it into a, an interesting perspective of like that's the last generation, you know, like that that was them, but but now we're going to maybe maybe we can tread some new ground again. We can tread some
0: new ground by fighting oh the fucking Borg. Borg. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But like but but like they did pave a trail for us to follow through I don't know, it's interesting. It's kinda
2: yeah. Yeah. Look, Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like they even said like in I think it was might have been Terry Metalis or someone else connected to the production was talking about, like, yeah, like we could have made all the vines green, like we did in one of the early tests, and then we were like, it's too blatantly obvious it's the fucking Borg. <laughs> like we gotta <laughs> tone it back a little bit. Right. And like we gotta let there be some suspense that it's literally anything but the Borg, but like it was always gonna be the Borg. And um, you know, again, everybody's kids get to come out and play and or get referenced except for Alexander and Alexander.
0: Well, the first the first spoken line in episode one, the first line of spoken dialogue... Is talking about the
2: Borg. Is Picard's log talking about the Borg. And I think the Borg... Yeah. Hi- about hiding from the Borg in a nebula. Yeah. And so, like, again, like, and it's like, all b- of it was it, there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, they, it was all there. Uh, uh, so my favorite callback in episode one was Riker at the bar going, like, Why do you have so many D's? Nobody likes the fat ones. And then by the time episode nine rolls around, you're like, give me the D, baby. And
2: and, and Jack (laughs) has one of the little Enterprise Ds in his little bunk. And it's very cute. And good for him.
1: Yeah, there's something about the Borg plan here that I'm never going to be able to really reconcile. Because (laughs) (laughs) earlier seasons, I feel like their entire plan was like, well, what if we got a transwarp conduit in the soul system? I feel like that was one of the things that they tried to do at one point, maybe I'm not, sure but it was yeah. yeah. And, and like the whole point of the transwarp conduits is they can go faster than warp travel to get anywhere they want, real fucking fast. Right. So if they had a fucking transwarp conduit in Jupiter, I feel like maybe a real good way to wrap up the, um, the like Wi-Fi assimilation of the entire federation <laughs> would have been to put right. five cubes right next to it. Just
0: amplify that signal, baby.
1: Yeah, like, why not? You have a transwarp conduit right there. There's just something about it that, ugh.
0: I'll tell you why not. And you bets put respect on the name because it's Admiral fucking Janeway. (laughs) That's why not. she took care of that shit. She nipped it in the bud and they're just fucking remnants running around going like, man, I hope I don't run into her.
1: (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Maybe this queen was like, hey, guys, I have a transwarp conduit here. Do you want to send a few cubes? And they were like, oh, fuck no. (laughs) We're not going over there. That's a really good way to cripple what's left of the Borg Collective. We're not doing that shit.
0: Yeah. Like, maybe Um, they just don't have
1: the numbers. I don't think that... I think that the Borg Collective, at this point, is probably doing fine over there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right? Like, they're probably still the top dog in the Delta Quadrant. They're probably doing okay. They probably just don't want to fuck with the Federation anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I I do believe
0: that the... The beginning of episode nine, when they find the cube and they start scanning it and everything like that, or I guess it would be episode 10. Yeah. uh, I want to say somebody says like, oh yeah, it's only operating at like 30% power. It doesn't have the full power of the conduit yet. So like, I don't know, maybe it was just like in boot sequence and just needed earth to be out of the way before like they flipped the switch.
1: Well, what it was is the Borg drone that they had been necrotizing for, to, in order to feed the queen. That was their IT dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: right. It was the DNS. It's always the DNS. <laughs> it's the
1: <laughs> DNS, yeah. So they really needed somebody around that knew how to flush the DNS. But unfortunately, oh he was being necrotized to feed this other stuff. And so they just lost that part of the collective. Nobody knows how to restart it anymore.
0: Best laid plans. Hey hey, some changelings, they might they might help. They don't know how <laughs> to reset the DNS, but they could they might
1: get us there. Uh yeah. It's so, a little messy, but like Yeah, yeah. the, the only, payout's so good. I agree. No, it's totally worth it. I love the season. I just don't like the board plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's messy. Yeah. The um, it's messy at best. But the, the only other character that I could think of right now is Wharf. Like, the, the of the main more TNG characters that we didn't get. So, Worf's thing at the end, he becomes a professor, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he finally like, gets
0: tenure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's like, I have to do this lecture on, I don't know, some nonsense. And I just. I will love... say,
0: Worf sitting down at the end of the episode and immediately falling asleep, immediately falling asleep, <laughs> asleep got yes. the biggest laugh out of our kid. Oh, like, okay. I was I was like, like,
2: look at silly we, Worf. He was, he was like, so sleepy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, swords are fun. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, the, the, the phaser
0: in the sword was like, <laughs> yeah. uh, Riker Riker trying to pick up the sword. Oh yeah. And the sound it makes, like Just the fully guy, good, Like
2: dumb like, physical comedy between a couple old goofs that, you know, yeah, have really yeah. great chemistry with each other. Right. <laughs>
1: Uh, Worf also leaking Raffi's confidential record. Yeah. (laughs) He's a bro. What an honorable maverick. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I just, I I love Worf coming back around and like kind of touching back on all of the Klingon motifs that he's been struggling with his entire life, but he sort of recontextualized them in a very kind of Taoism, Buddhism kind of way. Right, right, yeah. right. He's much more spiritually like aligned to his chakras or whatever nonsense. Right.
0: We we called it the live laugh wharf tour.
1: Fuck yeah, I'm here. Like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Uh I just I appreciate I appreciate wharf like circling back around like okay, well, I still want to be honorable. I want to be strong. I want to do these things. The society and the culture that I was venerating didn't really do that for me and i'm gonna i'm gonna rethink about a few things and i'm gonna work on myself because society's telling me one thing and i don't like it as much as i thought i would right? Right, right yeah yeah Worf is awesome in this season man he's just so good
0: i liked it uh when he did like the full game of thrones and like i am Worf, house of martok bane of the Duros family like and just yes. uh, like here's my resume Like, (laughs) I'm legit as fuck. Just trust me. Have you seen my sword?
1: (laughs) It's also really heavy.
0: Yeah. Oh, and like the... And I didn't catch it the first time, because, like, it was 6 a.m. in the morning, and I was, like, just mainlining cinnamon rolls and coffee, (laughs) but when he takes the Batleth off in... At the end, when they rescue him and he puts it down, it makes like a really audible like kerthunk,
2: like a <laughs> metal
0: kerthunk, like the sound effect guy was like totally nailing it that day. Because it's also like the same sound effect when Riker tries to pick it up. And it's like, ka like, oh, it's so heavy, like good joke, <laughs> solid joke, um, Worf got some great one-liners, the threesome joke gets yes. a big laugh every time. Oh,
2: yeah. Worf is good. I, I'm also thinking of your wife in our final moments, you know? jeez. Oh, when he
0: rescued them, and, like, he's like, Deanna, I have thought of you for many years, and Riker's like, the fuck you did? <laughs> like, no way, dude. Like, that's my Amzati. Like, don't even don't even think about it.
1: It's like, hey, Worf, I know that it's been a while. We're going through some shit, okay? I can't right. have you.
3: Yeah,
0: It's great. Right, my ex boyfriend just saved us. That's great. uh, I will never the ex boyfriend who was really into swords. That one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, season seven of TNG did did some weird stuff. That was one of them for sure. So yeah, I think we hit on everybody. We talked about Data. We talked about Geordi.
1: Yeah, I think I think yeah. Um, We circled around and everybody got
0: yeah. Beverly Silver Fox like top shelf hottie still <laughs> yeah. yeah like can't can't be mad at that um
1: yeah I think the, that's about it yeah there's like the raffi stuff but i think it's all kind of i like her a lot as a character
0: i do too she builds really well
1: yeah um, i'd like to see more i think
0: and um, perhaps a spin off television show
1: yeah maybe maybe something. star
0: trek legacy yeah that could be a good show yeah, that'd be a great show. Maybe we would get blessed and Paramount would bring back that twenty two episode season. That'd be great. <laughs> Don't think that'll happen. But that'd be great. So sweet. I think that about does it for us.
1: Michael, any closing thoughts? Um the only closing thought I really have here is I think that if we if we wanted to and if we weren't recording, if we weren't running out of hard drive space, I could probably just sit here and talk about this season of Star Trek with you guys all damn night
0: oh yeah uh, oh I, for sure
1: i I think the concern is that right now we're proving that to be true <laughs>
0: yeah. no, nah, it's good t v it's really good i'm I'm glad we were able to talk about it uh Caitlin, did you have any yeah, I
2: mean,
0: final it, thoughts closing thoughts
2: yeah it's it's really rare that a show that got as as wonderful a send off as all good things was gets another crack at doing a really satisfying finale yeah two for two Um, on finales guys and and, and, well two for three you know they manage it with with the pathos they manage it with you know these characters that you still care about these relationships that still spark and that's that's a magic that you know i know when patrick stewart was debating whether or not to actually do the picard series you know he was he was concerned about a lot of these elements and like is this going to be something that that honors these characters and doesn't just jump in for like a, nostal- a quick nostalgia bite that you know maybe can sell some toys. Getting this opportunity to come back to the the table and do something that's meaningful and even on the rewatch just continues to grow and show you at the end of the day that this character that he. would You know, he he's he's said in interviews like, you know, where's this guy in his life? He's he's alone. And he's kind of, you know, sad about some of the way things have gone, that he can bring this character back around to a sense of fulfillment and a sense of community. I think means a lot to Patrick Stewart, and I want him to be happy. Um, so it's really nice that they were able to accomplish what they did with this season. And also Shaw was mostly almost always right. So, you know, here's the thing. Uh, you need it when you if and when legacy happens, like you need Shaw to come back in some capacity, whether or not that's, you know, going and visiting him in the old holodeck or, you know, reconstituting him with nanoprobes like that one time they resurrected Neelix and then he hated, you know, being alive. Um, whatever <laughs> just you need to do, Terry Metallus, I trust you with it. Just pull him um, out of the transport it- buffer. Yeah, pull him out of the transport pattern buffer. It's fine. I mean they've done it like a billion times before. It's fine. He was the captain. I'm sure there was some like super special like system reboot that they can do. So anyway, more shaw.
0: <laughs> That's your thesis? Family good more shaw?
2: Family good more shaw. Perfect. I would not
0: have it any other way. Um, as far as the future of this show, two star two track, mm-hmm. of course any two parters that pop up will definitely be talking, I think uh, because it is definitely two different shows working together, for one, we're definitely going to be covering the Lower Deck Strange New Worlds episode, mm-hmm. uh, where Mariner and Boimler are no it longer was directed, cartoons. it was directed
2: by Frakes, so it's really a 3 for Jesus, it's
0: going to be so crazy. It's be weird
2: and horny and, like, who framed Roger Rabbit? You think?
0: You think it's going to be cartoons running around? Like, uh, no, I, I, I actually. Mean, I mean, I
2: know it. I, apparently, I, I I heard that part of the beginning will be in cartoon form, but then because Tawny Newsom and Jack Quaid actually kind of look like their characters, they are going to play their characters in real life. Oh my gosh!
0: So oh, we'll definitely exciting. be covering that. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. And then uh, I think we have something cooking to revisit some old Trek that we all know and love. So once yeah. we we firm up and finalize those plans we will let you guys know but until that
2: time comes to be continued